0: Welcome to Ag Future, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the challenges and opportunities facing the global food supply chain and speak with experts working to support A Planet of Plenty. This is Tom Martin and our guest is Sarah Evanja, winner in the educator category of Alltech's Planet of Plenty Awards. Sarah also recently received the coveted Borlaug Cast Communication Award. She is director of the Cornell Alliance for Science, a global communications effort that promotes evidence-based decision-making in agriculture. She's a research professor in the Department of Global Development and holds an adjunct appointment in the section of Plant Breeding and Genetics in the School of Integrated Plant Science at Cornell, teaching courses on agricultural biotechnology on the undergraduate and graduate levels. Dr. Evangel, congratulations and thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Tom. It's so nice to be here.
0: So, tell us about the Alliance for Science. What are its aims? What does it do?
1: Yeah, the Alliance for Science is a a global platform. Anyone can be part of the Alliance for Science. Any individual, any organization um, can join the Alliance for Science. We're a global um, effort to ensure access to agricultural technologies, to information that can help us improve food security improve environmental sustainability and really raise the quality of life globally we're a communications initiative standing firmly in support of the science I'm trying to improve the enabling environment for plant and agricultural science so we work to um, increase public engagement and communications around plant sciences we um, work to ensure good uh, science informed policy making that can have a positive impact. On, on our mission.
0: Why does science even need to be defended?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question, but the world is, is certainly facing some big challenges ahead, um, not the least of which is feeding the many while at the same time, fighting climate change. We absolutely need science and innovation to do this, to meet these big challenges. And I think, you know, this year, um, this past year has been a very clear demonstration of the need for science and innovation to solve complex global problems. So for the past year and a half, um, we all know we've been reliant on good science to get us through this this pandemic that we're in. And we've seen firsthand the impacts of disinformation and lack of access to science and innovation. And I mean, it's sadly, it has literally been the difference between life and death in this case. And so we absolutely... Need to defend science and ensure that science informs uh, the policies that 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 really have real world implications.
0: Is it becoming increasingly difficult to cut through all that clutter of mis and disinformation to to keep people accurately and contextually informed?
1: yeah, I mean we we definitely live in a time when um, you know we have information overload um, we've got so many different social media platforms that we can communicate on, some of which are open, some of which are closed loops. Um, it's, it's an information age. And I think you know, that can, can serve a really positive purpose and it can also um, you know, be a disservice. And so I think the important thing is, is that we make sure that science is well represented in those information platforms. And we get, you know, bona fide experts out there communicating and sharing um, the the good science-informed material information that can help people make good decisions about their life. And so part of what we're doing at the Alliance for Science is really trying to help equip people, young people, old people, um, scientists, uh, journalists, uh, you name it, farmers, people from all kinds of different walks of life, to have the kind of communication skills that they need to get out there and and share good science-based information, so that we we have an informed public and that we um, have policymakers who who can who can stand firmly in support of the science.
0: The young people who participate in the Alliance for Science program,
1: where do they come from? Gosh, they come from all over the world. So, in our training programs, broadly. We've had about 800 trainees from roughly 50 countries from around the world. So, if you look at a map of of, uh, of where the Alliance for Science has had representation in our training programs, it really spans the the entire globe, with Antarctica uh, as an exception. <laughs> <laughs> and and so it really, true, we truly are a global alliance, and that's something we're very proud of. Um, we've had a lot of uh, representation in our Global Fellows program from across the developing world. We've had a lot of um, fantastic champions from across Latin America, from um, across uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, um, fantastic representation from South Asia, and um, a really vibrant uh, group from the Philippines as well. So, I mean, it really is a global a global alliance and um, the champions who, who come to our programs are leading efforts across the globe.
0: And what sorts of issues are these students working to solve?
1: Well, they are all coming um, into our programs with a a passion for these issues. So they come to the Alliance for Science um, already um, with, you know, sharing our mission to advocate for access to agricultural innovations. So these are people who might be concerned, for example, about youth employment or youth engagement in agriculture. Um, in in their home country of Zimbabwe, for example. And so they really want to develop a a strategic plan to help ignite excitement for agriculture among youth in in Zimbabwe, for example. Uh, They might be uh, um, from a farming community who really wants to uh, advocate for access to uh, improved seed and other agricultural innovations that can actually help them grow uh, resilient. Resilient crops that are relevant in their country context. Maybe they're advocating for um, a good biotech policy that will help ensure access to those seeds. Um, we've also had a champion from Bangladesh, for example, who has essentially, um, after participating in our programs, grown up uh, his own alliance for science like organization called Farming Future Bangladesh that is a communications initiative that is um, working together with the Alliance to do uh, many of the same kinds of activities, but specifically in Bangladesh. So, I mean, it really, the, the, the opportunities are endless uh, and the ideas and the projects that flow from these fellows really are driven by the issues that are the most relevant in their country context that they care deeply about. Very homegrown.
0: Well, where are you seeing important successes in in those initiatives?
1: Well, we've seen um, partners in Nigeria, for example, work together to advocate for access to BT cowpea, BT Maize, and other um, uh, improved seeds that can help Nigerian farmers move away from uh, a lot of the, the in, you know, import um, imports that they are, are reliant on, as well as uh, accessing improved seed for crops that are so important in the, their country context. So since um, since our Nigerian fellows, for example, began um, uh, working together, um, they and, and other partners from around the globe, like the... Um, Africa Agricultural Technology Foundation, the Open Forum for Agricultural Biotechnology in Africa, Um, many commodity groups and farmer um, organizations across Nigeria have worked together over the last couple of years and are now seeing tremendous success in having access to new biotech crops that are going to help Nigerian farmers. Um, You know, in the U.S., uh, cowpea is kind of a you know, a strange thing that we don't eat very much. I mean, I grew up eating it on New Year's Day for good luck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's not really a staple in our in our diet. In Nigeria, it's such an important uh, source of protein. Uh, And so having access to those legumes and and sources of protein is so important in, in that cultural context.
0: I think it's safe to say by now that climate change is being recognized by most people as uh, one of our most serious challenges. But I'm wondering, what are some other serious challenges that that could also benefit from scientific solutions?
1: Well, I think you've 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 said it right there. Um, climate change. Is- sort of looms over everything, right? Mm-hmm. And in in agriculture and plant science, we are up against this enormous challenge of feeding the, you know, nine or 10 billion people who are going to inhabit this earth in a few short years, while at the same time addressing climate change. And that's a big, wicked problem, because agriculture is a contributor to climate change, um, in all kinds of different ways. Um, but, you know, when I look at the kind of innovation happening in plant science, whether it's, you know, sort of classical genetic engineering or, you know, newer emerging technologies like CRISPR, I see so much research and innovation happening right now that's going to help us feed the many while at the same time reducing agriculture's um, uh, negative uh, environmental footprint. Uh, We see crops being developed that are not going to need the same amount of nitrogen fertilizer and other innovations that are going to reduce nitrogen fertilizer, which is fantastic. We see, um, you know, innovations that are reducing emissions in agriculture uh, and and improving soil conditions through conservation agriculture. We see applications that are reducing pesticide use, like this exciting BT eggplant that's being uh, grown in Bangladesh. Um, so many exciting applications that are happening right now through genetic engineering, through CRISPR and a range of other technologies that are helping us do agriculture in a much cleaner and greener way. And so while it's a, an enormous challenge, I am optimistic that we, that we, can, we can achieve our, uh, our, our challenge of feeding the many while well at the same time reducing agriculture's negative environmental footprint.
0: Well, you cited uh, many innovations there that are really interesting, really exciting. But the one that really is, I think, uh, qualifies for mind-blowing is CRISPR. And I'm just wondering uh, if you could expand on that, if, if you can, anything that you can think of that's going on in the CRISPR area that uh, agriculture in particular might benefit from.
1: Absolutely. Um, we're. I'm all. I share your enthusiasm for CRISPR. I think it's um, a, a really exciting uh, tool that is going to be a game changer in in food and agriculture. So I'm excited about applications of CRISPR that are going to help improve the environment. Um, I was just reading uh, recently about um, some genes uh, in cattle that are associated with methane emissions that you know can be can be addressed to uh, reduce methane emissions from cattle. That's an exciting CRISPR application. Um, there are applications across the, across uh, crop improvement that are also going to help us uh, grow more using less resources and having less negative impact on the environment. I'm also really excited about the implications for nutrition. So. Um, using CRISPR to develop crops that are going to be more nutritious, that will allow us to grow more diverse crops um, that can stand up to, to climate change and, and other um, stresses. So for example, if we look at um, you know the the first generation of, of genetically engineered crops, for example, you know, 99% of all the crops that are genetically engineered that are grown out there in the world are, Essentially, just four crops, right? We have um, uh, 50% of it is soy, 30% maize, 15% of it is cotton, and, and 4% is canola. And so, most crops haven't actually benefited from those tools. And CRISPR is a v- very much a democratizing tool that um, many researchers can use from public institutions, small and medium businesses, startups. Um, It's it's not limited to a few big companies. It's a very democratizing tool. And what that means is that we can use this tool to improve um, specialty crops, to improve crops that are important, maybe in a developing country, but not um, traded globally. Uh, And so there's so much opportunity to, um, to to improve a range of different crops that can help uh, combat malnutrition, undernutrition, etc. Uh, and also, I think, you know, in the context of the U.S., there's a number of, of products that are being developed that, that are going to be of great interest to consumers that are going to help us uh, consume healthier, uh, more healthy, convenient foods. So there's some startups that are um, working to really improve our produce aisle. And I'm excited about that because I think that's going to be uh, a real game changer for the acceptance of of um, the, the role that plant breeding innovation can play in improving our lives.
0: Yep, I'd say CRISPR qualifies for mind-blowing. <laughs> um there's another uh, matter that you brought up earlier that I'd like to touch on here, and it has to do with population. Uh, we seem to s- The world seems to be going in two different directions, between developing nations and developed nations. Uh, developed seem to be depopulating. We're getting into negative population growth, while at the same time, the developing world is going in the opposite direction. Um, does that figure into your calculations as a scientist and as somebody who's thinking about a planet of plenty and how to feed the world?
1: I think one of the important points that um, that I think a lot about is the need to engage more young people in plant and agricultural science and in the um, in, in the in the careers associated with agriculture and producing the food that we need. So in a lot of developing country contexts, as well as the U.S. for that matter, um, you know, we're not seeing young people getting into the the field of agriculture. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, But what we do see is that when when young people see agriculture as a good business, as an exciting business where they can um, innovate and use state-of-the-art technology, then they're more likely to engage in, in agriculture-related fields. And so I think um, you know, it goes back to the, our core mission of ensuring access to these innovations, these innovations that excite people, that, that engage young people in agriculture, that um, inspire entrepreneurship, so that you know, it can become a, 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 a good business and attract the young, brightest minds. And I think in, in the context of the U.S., um, we have uh, a great opportunity to engage uh, more, more diverse people in, in um, plant and agricultural science, as well as in agriculture. And um, I think that that needs to be um, one of our priorities in the U.S., is to really make sure that the, the face of agriculture, or the face of agricultural science, and the, and the face of plant science is, is, is inclusive and, and, and diverse.
0: I'd like to circle back to the Alliance for Science and uh, talk about its funding. I think it's worth noting you do not accept funding from corporate agriculture. Why is that, and how is the effort supported?
1: Yeah, so um, we work on some controversial issue areas, and we um, we're we're a neutral or organization at a U.S. university. And to maintain that trust that I think we've inspired across a, a, a range of stakeholders, we do not accept funding from industry. You know, um, and I think that's just, that's just important for us to, to maintain our, our neutral and very science informed position. We are driven by science, not by uh, corporate agendas, for example. Um, we are largely funded through philanthropic organizations, um, a, a great deal of our funding does come from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. We also have received funding from um, US government agencies like the USDA, um, uh, USAID. So we we have some small family foundations that have given to us. And we we believe very um, much in uh, spirit of transparency. And so we do list all of our funding sources on our website.
0: Sarah, I know that you've been instrumental in launching the AWARE initiative, AWARE standing for Advancing Women in Agriculture Through Research and Education. If you could tell us about this program.
1: Yeah, I work um, closely with a colleague, Holly Tufan, on um, on this initiative that we launched um, a few years ago. And our goal really was to create a cross-cutting initiative so that we would consider the needs of, of women in agriculture in everything that we do here in our in our unit. So that ranges from uh, really encouraging and, and supporting student research that will benefit women um, to ensuring that all of the global projects that we're running um, consider, for example, the needs of women farmers um, in various country contexts. So it really is about um, you know, thinking about the the role of women across all areas of agriculture in all that we do. And and part of that also is in through our you know, capacity building programs, ensuring that we have good representation of women. Um, in many countries where we work, women are the ones who are are, are who, Holding down the fort at the farm, for example, as, as men seek off farm um, labor opportunities and so forth. And so it's really important that, you know, in plant science, we're thinking about the needs of women um, as they process these crops, not just grow them, but process them. And, and, um, so, so the Aware Initiative is, is really all encompassing and cross cutting thinking about, okay, what are the needs of women? and how can we address those needs through everything that we do from our research to our education opportunities
0: Sarah we have talked about issues and challenges and obstacles as well as some amazing innovations and and uh, forward looking programs that are going on right now i just wonder in, in, in to sum it up what makes you optimistic about a planet of plenty
1: i am an optimist and i you know, I'm a plant scientist, and I I really do feel like the role that plant breeding and plant science can play in helping us achieve a planet of plenty uh, in this in this changing climate is is so crucial. So, we in in plant science we have the opportunity to create this planet of plenty to. Uh, produce the food, the nutritious, safe, nutritious food that's going to feed our growing population, um, while at the same time uh, playing a critical role in adapting to climate change as well as mitigating climate change. So plant science, I think, is so full of opportunities. And it's my hope that, you know, as we inspire a new generation to get into plant science and a much more diverse generation to get into plant science. We'll have new decision makers at the table, we'll have new innovators at the table, and we really will be able to achieve this planet of plenty in in, in a world full of um, enormous, wicked challenges.
0: Yes, that's Sarah Evanja, research professor in the Department of Global Development at Cornell University in Ithaca, New York, overlooking beautiful Cayuga Lake. And she's also the winner in the educator category of Altec's Planet of Plenty Awards. Thank you, Sarah.
1: Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today.
0: I'm Tom Martin and thanks for listening. This has been Ag Future, presented by AllTech. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to Ag
1: Future wherever you listen to podcasts.